Hello, and thank you for listening to the Rosewood Church Podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing the spiritual practice of fasting. Now, no spiritual practice is more alien or neglected in the modern Western world, uh, in particular, the Protestant church, than fasting. And we tend to place all the attention on the thought drawing the Spirit's power through our mind, and we forget that as a creation, we are much more than just a brain. We can put these bodies of ours to work in spiritual formation. And yet the entire idea of spiritual conditioning with our stomach just seems so antiquated that very few followers of Jesus really do it anymore, again, especially within the Protestant church. But I want to read to you now from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Jesus says this, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So whatever happened to fasting? I don't know about you, but growing up for me, fasting was something I was not taught, uh, nor was it something that was really practiced in my house. And I would consider my upbringing to be very Christ-centric. The weekly worship of God with the body of Christ, that is, you know, joining together in church, that was non-negotiable for my brothers and I growing up. Biblical literacy, a personal prayer discipline, and service to the world were highly valued in my family. In all things, we were expected to conduct ourselves in a manner that honored God and represented Jesus Christ. These were formative things that were taught to me by my parents and other family members and and people within the church from a very early age. But fasting, I don't recall it coming up even a single time. I'm sure it was discussed at, at some point, and I've simply forgotten Uh, in a sermon here or there, taught in a Sunday school class, but in terms of it being a Christian practice to engage with, it just was not a part of our our spiritual life. And maybe you were brought up in a similar household, maybe you weren't, Uh, but the fact that you're listening to this now suggests that you're at least interested in pursuing a life of spiritual growth for you and your family. So here's what I want to know. Scripture tells us to pray, and we pray. It tells us to be baptized and and join together for Holy Communion, and we do this. It tells us to worship, to meet together in church as a body, to read our Bible, and many other things that we attend to faithfully. But why not fasting? What happened to fasting? Fasting is a staple of spiritual practice within the Bible. If we just do a quick glance at scripture, it shows that baptism is mentioned 75 times and fasting mentioned 77. Among those in the Bible who fasted as a part of preparing for the incredible things that God did in their life are Moses, David, Elijah, 
Ezra, Esther, Daniel, Jesus, Paul. In Matthew 6, Jesus tells his disciples how to pray. This we preserved, and we pray it every week at worship in the Lord's Prayer. We display it in our homes. We know it by heart. We pray it because it's the prayer that Jesus taught. And in the very next section of text, he tells us how to fast. But what happened to that? If our spiritual life is not what we want it to be, then friends, maybe I think we should look and ask ourselves if we're making some obvious omissions in our spiritual practice. And yet, until recent history, fasting was one of the core practices of the way of Jesus. For hundreds of years, the church would fast twice a week, Wednesdays and Fridays. And that was just what you did if you were a Christian. In the fourth century, when the church developed the practice of Lent, it was originally a fast similar to Islam's Ramadan. As a lead up to Easter, followers of Jesus would wake up and go without food until sunset for 40 days every year they would do this. Here's the truth about the state of fasting in the Protestant church. When asked if they planned on fasting at any point of the year, only 16% of Protestants respond that they even planned to fast over the course of a year, this is. Uh, not that this is particularly a meaningful comparison, but I do think it's interesting. When Barna Research asked people who self-identified as either fairly to completely certain there is no God, how often they pray to God, 19% of them said that they pray to God monthly. So apparently, there are more agnostics praying in a month than Protestant Christians fasting in a year. And yet Jesus, in the same chapter in Matthew, instructs us on how to do both. So what's up with that? We live in a culture that, above all else, defines happiness as getting what you want out of life. And good gracious, if there are not a million and one things in modern America that are out there designed to make you happy. We have endless entertainment distractions. You may want good and noble things to make you happy, or you might want evil and diabolical things to make you happy. And this is generally how we know what we would consider the difference between a good person and a bad person. But no one challenges the premise of the entire system. We accept that happiness means getting what you want and happiness is always good. If this is your mindset, even as a Christian, then fasting simply makes no sense at all. Because make no mistake, fasting is about controlled suffering. If you're a Christian chasing happiness, then fasting is absurd. Why would I want to choose fasting? I think this is precisely why the practice has fallen on such hard times. The person who fasts rejects this attitude and understands that it is better to pursue joy rather than happiness. 
Happiness is getting something you want, but joy is living in peace with the will of God in your life in all seasons. We run from all suffering like the plague when we're pursuing happiness because the two can't coexist. But we can have joy in every season and situation if we are at peace with God's will. So fasting is not about punishing yourself. It's not about abusing your body because your body is evil. To be clear, your body in its created form is not at all evil, nor are its God-given gifts of pleasure enjoyed in the right times and ways that God says are good for us. But because of the corruption of sin, our bodies often work against us in our fight against the desires of the flesh. Fasting turns your body into an ally in our fight against an enemy. The purpose for us is simple. Deny your body what it wants in a controlled and safe practice that you choose so that when the world, the circumstances of life, or even God decides not to give you what you want, you are at peace having experienced this before. It's like the vaccine to unchecked material desire. If you're struggling with sin that has become habitual in your life, fasting is an excellent practice to adopt. Just as reading scripture is a practice to combat the lies of our enemy, the devil, fasting is a way to fight against the sins of our flesh. So for addictions in our life, particularly those that are sexual in nature, fasting can be very powerful. It's a practice that reminds you that by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you are not a slave to your body's desires. You are not bound to just live in that brokenness for the rest of your life. And depending on the severity of the issue and the sin um, and the mental and emotional trauma that surrounds it, you may need spiritual counseling or other types of support and intervention, but fasting can be a critical practice in overcoming these sins of the flesh that seem to bind us year after year after year. As we've done with other practices, let's talk a bit about what this looks like for us. First, if you have a medical reason why uh, that would require you to eat at regular intervals, please do that. I'm in no way suggesting that you fast over the direction of a doctor. For you, the fast may be something other than food, that represents material need or desire. But for the rest of us, it's food. No technology fast, no social media fast, no Mountain Dew fast. None of those are fasts, and none of them get to the fundamental level of denying yourself food. Good to, to curtail your uh, intake of all those things, but food is what we're given to fast. The Bible says food, so, you know, let's not get too cute with it, right? As I said earlier, the traditional Christian fasting period was Wednesday and Friday, sunup to sundown. And this seems like a good place as any to start, although, you know, one day a week would be fine, or if you want to take it uh, another way, have one of those days be maybe a full day of fasting, if that's what you like. Drink water, nothing else. So if you're like me, sometimes the coffee 
is harder than the food. Now, I did this for several weeks in preparation for this series, and I've got to tell you one of the most interesting realizations that came pretty early uh, was that you don't need to do anything while you're fasting. I always wondered to myself, well, if I'm not eating, what should I be doing? Should Maybe I should be praying. Maybe I should be reading my Bible or doing something to fill that time. Well, truth be told, for me, I eat very fast. Uh, my father used to tell me that I eat like somebody's going to take it away from me, which is probably true. So really, I'm only filling a few minutes here. Uh, but the thing is to just not eat just not eat. Remember, this is not a spiritual practice of the mind predominantly, but of the body. So I encourage you not to overthink it. And it's not the hunger that was challenging. In all honesty, you're probably not going to get that hungry between sunup and sundown, even if you go a full 24 hours. More than that, I noticed the readiness and easiness with which I give into my body's desires. When it's lunchtime, I wanted lunch. I wasn't starving, but I desired to eat. And saying no to that, to be honest, was not something I'm accustomed to. But it absolutely brings into focus the other areas of my life where I just say yes to myself without much thought. And some of these, upon consideration, absolutely stand between me and the person that God's calling me to be. What I felt as I went along, I can best describe, though, as spiritual encouragement. Every time I fast, I am reminded that just as the Spirit of God works power in my life to choose this denial of the self, it also empowers me to choose denial of those more self-destructive desires of the flesh. I am not powerless to sin. I'm not a slave any longer. I don't have to simply live in bondage to lust or addiction. But as Paul says in Romans 8, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Maybe you've been a Christian your entire life and you've never really given fasting uh, true consideration. So here's my parting words to you. Just take the leap. Start this week. Just jump in and do it. The devil scores a win when he gets the Western church to abandon the practice of fasting. The Holy Spirit is ready to demonstrate its power in your life. Satan does not want you to have access to the power that comes from fasting. Don't give him his way. During the Lenten season, we often focus on the passage from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, where Jesus is tempted in the desert by the devil. Before starting a practice of fasting in my life, I read this, that Jesus was vulnerable and in a weakened state from his hunger. After all, by the time the devil visited him, he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Now I understand this passage a little differently. Yes, he was hungry, but Jesus was a spiritual powerhouse. He had overcome the desires of the flesh in his fast. He had given himself over to the Spirit's power 
and all the material happiness that the devil could offer him had no control over Jesus. And he chose instead the joy of doing his Father's will. Pray with me now. Lord, thank you for the lessons that you teach us during fasting. Thank you for the ways that you grow the fruit of the Spirit in us like patience and self-control. We know that we could not have accomplished these things on our own, but only because of your work within us. Guide us as we move forward. If your desire is for us to fast, then show us clearly. Help us not to forget to attend to you in the Spirit, but instead to seek it out in our daily life. And above all, help us to honor and to serve you with the choices that we make. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.